Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Does this ground beef look sufficiently cooked to you? Looks kind of green. Yeah, that's because it's kale. Coming to you almost live from a hot grill. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your juicy hosts. My uh, my friend Stan, who is now getting a shout out. Oh, let's call him our friend Stan. Our friend shall Stan. We? He, uh, a former guest of the show, mm-hmm. uh, he is catching up on his Unknown Studios. Oh, and uh, I don't recall what season he's in. He's not quite up to date. Sure, but when he gets to this episode. This shout-out is for him, partly because he recently informed me that I say we are your hosts differently basically every episode. Like, like... Not just... Not just... The words. Not just the words, but just my cadence, the way that I... How did he... How did he word it? The way that I uh, traipse through the sentence <laughs> is uh, unique every time. And so that's why I specifically added some... Uh, Wonderful pauses. Well, that's good. In that particular, that's intro. good. And it, you know, if you decide the juicy is not the right way to describe us, because uh, we could have said uh, delicious. I don't think we've called ourselves juicy before. No, no, for obvious reasons, or or not. Well, indeed, for yeah. for unobvious reasons. But no, it, it's. Gl- I'm glad to be back. Yeah, how was uh, your trip? It was lovely. It was really great. So, uh, for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode for some reason and are just. Jumping in. Or, or this is your first episode and you have no content. <laughs> Which is very possible. Um, last weekend, Rachel, my partner, and I celebrated our fifth anniversary together. And to mark the occasion, I took her to the Jasper Park Lodge in Jasper. Which I, where else would it be? <laughs> the Jasper Park Lodge in Banff. Yeah, yeah, they had to move it. It was very tragic. Um, a, a trip for which I saved since November because it is. It, it's not inexpensive uh, to go to the Jasper Park Lodge. But we had a, in spite of the really cold weather, it was cold in Edmonton. It was cold all over Canada last weekend. Uh, we had a really lovely time. And I'll tell you this. Expensive trip, yes. Unquestionably expensive. I might, I might even say the word expensive one more time. Expensive. But you do get what you pay for in those situations. Yes, you do. So uh, just by way of example, we arrived on Friday at 4 o'clock. That's sort of the you know normal check-in time. Uh, go up to the front desk and are told that our room was not ready yet. No big deal. That's fine. Well, how long is it going to be? Well, they said probably an hour, an hour and a half. Now, that's kind of a long time. We've been on the road for about three and a half hours. You know, we just kind of want to get settled. So I said, okay, well, we'll go sit in the lounge in front of the big fireplace in the Emerald Lounge. And uh, he was like, great, we'll buy your first round of drinks. And we will give you valet service. So we were staying not in the main lodge, but in one of those uh, sort of duplex cabin things. And we got to drive our vehicle right up to, uh, to the cabin, unload our stuff. And then we called them and they came and took our car away. And when we needed it again... Uh, they brought it back, and it was free. It was, and so you know, you do pay. You, you, it's expensive. 
if I can say that again. But it's it is worth it. it it's worth every penny, I think, if if you want that level of service. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we we didn't really do anything except hang out, play Scrabble, relax, have some drinks, enjoy lovely breakfasts, and sometimes you go on a vacation to uh, experience the location that you're going to. You travel to a faraway place to visit the locale, you go to a theme park to go on the rides. Sometimes you just book yourself at a fancy hotel to enjoy the amenities of a fancy hotel. Yeah, and that's exactly what this trip was. So we had a great time. And I have to thank uh, the fine folks at Ford Canada for lending us a Ford Escape for the weekend. It was a really, really lovely vehicle to, uh, to try out. And uh, I will probably be posting a video review of it soon. So, so uh, stay tuned to the Twitter. You can follow me, Bingo Fuel, on Twitter. And for that matter, you should follow Scotty Bomb on Twitter. I'm known to occasionally tweet interesting things. Uh, more often than not, I would say. Depending on what you consider interesting. Yes, that is definitely the qualifier, I would say. Seeing as we're coming into WrestleMania season, there's a lot of wrestling <laughs> tweets. So w- what's, the, what's the obsession with the... The WWE, I thought it was all shit now. Mostly. But, you know, we're coming into, as I say, WrestleMania season. It is the one time of year that I really pay attention to what's going on in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have many, many friends who are into the WWE and continue to be into professional wrestling to this day. So it is the one time of year that I really bond with Okay. And then WrestleMania happens, and it is inevitably disappointing. (laughs) And then after WrestleMania, I fall back out of wrestling for another year. So So what is it about WrestleMania that is so disappointing to you? And and, And then to add to that, what keeps you coming back? It is supposed to be, to answer the last question first, the biggest wrestling event of the year. Not just for the WWE, but in all of wrestledom. Uh, in all of in all of the places that have WrestleMans, uh, the WWE is kind of at the top. There's there's just no disputing it. Sure. Uh, th- whether or not you consider it to be the best quality or not is something I'm sure someone will write to me about angrily. But it is undisputably the highest, undisputably, undisputedly, <laughs> the highest uh, production value. And therefore, WrestleMania should be the biggest show. Mm-hmm. And it is certainly the, they marketed as their biggest show of the year. And then it's always kind of crummy, or at least for the last many years, it has always been just kind of a crummy show. Now, why is that? Because if they're billing it as the biggest event of the, of the wrestling season, you would think that it would be replete with pageantry and guys touching each other and sometimes girls touching each other. And much of the time, wrestling. Indeed. You would expect that. And but yet, you'd be wrong. <laughs> no. Um, well, profess- professional wrestling is, is partly about the stories. It is, it is performance art, if you will. Sure. And uh, you would think that at the biggest show of the year, you would have payoff to a number of the stories that you had been building throughout the year, especially throughout what they call their WrestleMania season, the last few months leading up to the big event. And yet the last few years really know. Hmm. And they'll have just disappointing matches and uh, kind of flat production and uh, they'll time out weird so they'll be dropping stuff from the card as they go. It's just the last couple years has been just a disappointment. And yet every year I give it another shot and 
Every year I come out disappointed. Maybe this year they'll finally surprise me and do something amazing. Who knows? Well, apparently not. But if nothing else, gentle listener, if you haven't all uh, stopped listening to this episode and deleted it because of this conversation. Which you should never do. uh, It is nonetheless an opportunity, an excuse, nay, for me to get together with some of my oldest friends, sit around in somebody's living room, watch their big screen TV, and mercilessly heckle what is honestly a ridiculous but enjoyable show while drinking beers and eating pizza. And that, if nothing else, makes the experience worthwhile. I I mean, I remember, uh, I think in its heyday, uh, me and my brothers used to watch... uh, it was WWF, and I remember basically WrestleMania's one through seven, and that was sort of at the time when Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan, and and uh, and even you know back then Andre the Giant were doing their things, and that was very exciting. And and just for whatever reason, I think because some of the um, some of the my favorite wrestlers just weren't doing it anymore, I, I lost interest. And then and then I don't even know if is Vince McMahon involved anymore. Is he, he is literally the owner of the WWE. So, but but he used to play a character. He used to he used to be he kind of the is, villain. He's kind of uh, taken a, a very backseat role to any on camera stuff for a while now. I mean, he's still kind of around, and every now and then he does turn up. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, he. Uh, he kind of leaves it to his uh, his daughter and his son-in-law now. Wow. Who are known as Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, respectively. Wait, Triple H, like the Triple H? Yeah, that guy is actually Vince McMahon's son-in-law. That's fucked up. It's kind of fucked up. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. Like, I guess it's a family business, though. I mean, look at the Hart Brothers kind from of. down in Calgary. There's, and this is, uh, and I, I hate to necessarily malign anybody who's involved in the wrestling business, but there's still a little, or for that matter, the circus business, which I'm about to compare it to. <laughs> there's still a little, there's still a little bit of kind of carny tradition in professional wrestling, even in the WWE, in spite of the fact that it is a multi-million dollar company. Uh, there's still just a little bit of kind of creepy circus. Uh, carny stuff going on, and and that's that's to its detriment, yeah. really. Yeah, um, and it's just this this history that it just can't seem to shake, and it really should move beyond that. But. It, it sounds like it it really does take away from the from the quality of the production, uh, you know that you uh, that you so much enjoy. Well, sort of enjoy. <laughs> That you would love to... That I would love to enjoy, to enjoy. more yeah. if they could uh, win me over. Now, um, I, know that, uh, I know that we've shied away from this, at least in our last episode. But I would be remiss if I did not comment on the weather. It is fantastic outside. As we record this, it is a beautiful day. It is eight degrees at least outside right now. The sun is poking through the clouds. Uh, The snow is melting. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, the road I'm looking at is practically bone dry. It's it's very nearly completely clear of snow. It's a... It may almost be in a couple weeks, safe to say, winter's over. And yet... It's also possible in a couple of weeks that we will be buried under three more feet of snow. Yeah, well, that's the kind of that's the thing I didn't want to talk about, but here we are. Yeah, 
Here we are. Now, on the plus side, maybe this means that the plowing issue is finally done maybe, for the year. But it does mean that now the pothole issue. Yep, because there's only really two things anybody's talking about in Edmonton, and that is plowing or potholes. Yeah, it's uh, we are kind of a one-trick pony in that way. Although, you know what, there, there, there actually is quite a bit of interesting stuff to talk about. One of which, we, when we had uh, Randy on our show, Randy Brzozowski, a, f- a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the Light the Bridge campaign. Which is now funded. Fully funded. At That's the, right. At the time of our they episode, are, they weren't quite there, but they're there. And not only that, but they have actually started to light the bridge. Yeah, they were blocking off, uh, I think, the uh, west lane. East, east lane. Eastern, and not even the east lane, the east... Uh, sidewalk. Sidewalk yeah. of the bridge so that they can begin installing the lighting. And that will take about two months' time, as I'm told. Mm-hmm. Uh, now then, do you know if that means that they then will close off the... Uh, the west sidewalk and begin doing that side or is it all being done just based off that that one closure i am actually not sure though nor I would, am i i would presume they would do uh they would have to close off each side because i do believe the plans called for lights on either side of the and thing. so then it would be about a four-month process because as i understand it they want to have it lit in time for canada day that's yes. kind of the end goal yeah yeah i believe that's true um I'll, you know the unfortunate thing is i mean i'm really excited about this I think it could be good, and, and we've talked about how it could be maybe not good as well, or certain other it, people It's certainly have. a, a wait-and-see situation. Now, I've never actually seen the precise plans for what they're building, but a colleague of mine uh, um, had, and he expressed some trepidation about it. He said he was worried that, in fact, it might appear to be tacky. Uh, I have seen an image yes. of the lit bridge, uh, of the supposedly lit bridge, and uh, now, admittedly, the colors on that particular image were a little tacky, but I'm under the impression that they're going to have rotate, rotating LEDs. Oh, yeah. I mean, they can so change it'll color. It'll be like the, like the uh, pyramids on the, on the Muttart. It'll be like the, the ledge dome. So uh, the, the colors will fluctuate through the uh, evening, through the night as it is lit, and uh, so I imagine that it won't look that bad, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's a relief. I mean, I'm I'm ex- I'm still excited. I'm still looking forward to it. So it was great to hear news about that. Um, and I imagine that Dave Mowat over at ATB, he's sort of been the driving force behind this, is is terribly excited about it. So in other news, last week, uh, Mayor Don Iveson delivered his uh, his first annual State of the City address. Yes, he did. And uh, he had uh, a great deal of optimism about uh, a number of things, because, of course, that State of the City address happened before the budget was announced yeah. by the province. <laughs> yes. Which uh, turned Don Iveson from optimistic to sad. Yes. He was sad, Don Iveson. His, so we'll talk about the speech first, and then we can talk about the subsequent meme that was created as a result. But uh, the mayor, you know, whereas Stephen Mandel typically used the state of the city address to announce, you know, uh, interesting policy or big, big projects or, or to yell at people. Um, the, Mayor Iveson did not take that tack. Uh, he was, he was more measured, a little, a little more, um, a little more updatey, I suppose, in a way than Stephen Mandel had typically been, though he did announce that he was, deve- he was about to launch a task force on poverty which was interesting, and he got to look the premier in the eye and tell her, in no uncertain terms, Madam Premier, you must fund LRT in the city of Edmonton. 
And then the next day, <laughs> she did not do that. She roundly ignored him. Yep. Although, I mean, I mean, to be fair, the budget's usually set weeks in advance. Of yes. That. Certainly, I mean, it's 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 done by the time they give the throne speech. That is true. But um, as Scott mentioned, it did spawn a, a an internet meme because he had a press conference the same day the budget was announced, which was the following day. And at 4.30, he got up in front of uh, reporters and expressed his dismay at the, the yes. province's lack of funding. Uh, it would be... It would be difficult to say that he was angry, but he was certainly disappointed. Yeah. In fact, if he'd said it in that way, you might have thought of him as your dad. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And uh, Mac Mail, uh, Master Mac on Twitter, whom many of you, I'm sure, follow, uh, snapped a photograph of the mayor making a sad face. Which has appeared everywhere since. Yeah, and then Dana DiTomaso, who who has been on our show, she was on our live show, actually. Yes, she was. Um, took that image and photoshopped the mayor's head onto Keanu Reeves' body, because there's a sad Keanu meme. Yes, there is. And uh, and so was born the sad Don Iveson meme, which uh, was covered by the Huffington Post. Dana's initial post actually had over 100 retweets, which is, I'm, I'm sure, well over 100 re- retweets at this point. And even um, Mayor Nenshi's, one of Mayor Nenshi's communications advisors, Darcy LeBray, said the best thing about Budget Day <laughs> is the sad Don Iveson meme. Maybe it'll become a Budget Day tradition. Maybe it will. <laughs> I don't think. I, I don't think Don is looking forward to the possibility of him being sad every Budget uh, Day, though. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. But one of the best things that came out of it, because, you know, Don is kind of a, he's a cool guy. He's plugged into the internet, uh, figuratively and literally. And uh, at the end of the night on Thursday, he said that he posted a photo of a a pint of ice cream from Pinocchio's, which is a local ice creamery, and said that he was he was stress eating, and he used the sad Donna Iveson tag, and he also said eat local, which was very cool, indeed. So and then and then which uh, interestingly relates to our guest coming up a little later, who uh, also. Eats local. Eats local. He's all about that. That's right. He, and we'll be talking to him uh, shortly. Yeah. But uh, just thought that I'd throw that in there. Right little, on. A little plug for what's coming up later. A little tease. A little just tease. dangling it out there. Letting you get a, get a glimpse. A little taste. If you, uh, if you feel the need to fast forward, fuck you. Because <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're not done yet. We love you, our listener. Uh, Scott. Our, our one and only listener. S- yes. Uh, that's not necessarily true. We might have two listeners. Imagine we're talking directly to you, insert name here. Uh, but not just that. We, we discovered we have at least one actual celebrity listener. Yeah, this was kind of weird. I mean, weird in the best way. <laughs> fabulous. Fabulous in all the other ways. But, uh, but, well, I'll let you tell this story, Scott. Well, it comes from a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was on the Twitters, as I am known to be. Uh, and I was uh, noting that I had obtained a few more followers. So I went to check who they were. And to, usually I follow people back when they follow me. And I noticed that one of them was the acclaimed musician, Biff Naked. Based out of uh, Vancouver. Indeed. Yeah. And I was like, surely this could not be. But <laughs> it was the verified account of Biff Naked. And so I posited on Twitter, well... Biff Naked is apparently following me now. Welcome, but I I don't know why. And then uh, perhaps 
20 minutes later, Biff Naked replied to me with, I am, I am a fan of your website, The Unknown Studio. And I was like, is that so? <laughs> so there you go, ladies and gentlemen, celebrity endorsement. Biff Naked is a big fan of The Unknown Studio. She has seen our website. That is correct. Awesome. Well, I hope that uh, I hope she takes the time to listen to this episode. Because we actually talk about her. And uh, the next time, Biff, that you are in Edmonton, we would love to have you in the studio. Absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah. Awesome. Really, any time. Truly. You don't even have to be in town. No. Just, we will we, Skype, we'll Skype you, you in. in. It'll yeah. be amazing. It'll be... It'll. You know what? We will go to Vancouver. We will... <laughs> That uh, we will we will probably we not. We will maybe yeah. try to scrounge up the money to yeah drive perhaps that's, to Vancouver. That's gonna take. That's a lot of hours. Yeah, but it's hours. cheaper than flying. It's so much cheaper. And we are we are not wealthy. You are what we would call poor. Yes, and in, you in, are it, what we would call also kind of poor. Yeah. So here we are, Biff naked. Just come to Edmonton, would you? Or Skype us. That's sort of all I've got, really. Um, interesting news for the Edmonton Oilers this week. Alish Hemsky is now an Ottawa senator. That's right. This was a big deal. Well, okay, so they, they actually made quite a bit of moves this week. They signed Ben Scriven. Well, it, it's trade deadline week, so uh, yeah. everybody makes some, uh, some last-minute moves yeah. as they uh, settle on their... On their uh, team that they hope is going to get them to the playoffs, basically. Well, that's I not... think that's a little outside of what we can hope for this year. But well, it, it, they did. They traded Hemsky for draft picks. They didn't. They didn't actually acquire any players. So did I they? guess the rebuild is still on. This is a long-term rebuild, hockey fans. They're going to rebuild the team in tandem with building the arena. So basically, the year that the arena opens is the year that they want to bring home a Stanley Cup. The, actually, you know what? If that's if that's the plan they can pull off, <laughs> then they've that's amazing that they've fucking done it. That's I I sincerely hope that that is what you're planning Kevin Lowe and Craig McTavish and whoever else works there. I guess we'll have to wait and see. If those people will still be working there in a year, you mean? Uh, yes. Well, also, <laughs> if that is their plan. I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. Now, one last thing to talk about before we, uh, before we sit down with our guest, the Bacon Hound, is Premier Redford. Now, Allison, can I call you Allison? I know the last few weeks have been, shall we say, challenging for you. I know that, that the opposition and citizens are upset at you for, you know, spending a lot of money to fly places and bringing people like assistants and your daughter and her friends. And I'm in your corner. I'm just kidding. I'm not in your corner. Would you please apologize and pay back the money that you've taken from taxpayers? Because this is the only way you're going to be able to salvage your political career. That's all I got. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out 
The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. We should take a moment. We should. Uh, to thank a few people who are dear to us. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to Biff Naked. <laughs> who is very dear. Who is now very dear to us. Yes. I mean, she was dear to us before. Agreed. But she is more dear to us now. We feel like we have a bit of a personal connection with her. Now. We actually literally have a per personal connection with her. Sort of, yes. Yeah. Although we've never met in person. But this isn't about Biff Naked. Please this call about, us. <laughs> <laughs> this is about our sponsors. Yes. Uh, starting with our, uh, oldest sponsor, our oldest continuous sponsor. Yeah. Uh, Guru Digital Arts College, the Hogwarts of social media in Edmonton. Led by Headmaster. Digital media, not social, well, also social media, uh, in a way. It plays into it. it it's it totally all does. part of the, the whole experience. They're weaving a rich tapestry over there. Sometimes literally. Yeah. Not often, though. Uh, and it's led by headmaster, the Dumbledore-esque headmaster, Owen Brierley. And I was thinking about this the other day, Scott. Aaron Hazen is the registrar at the Hogwarts of Digital Media. Would that, what does that make her? What, what is the equivalent in the Harry Potter universe to Aaron? Uh, a registrar? Yeah, is she is she like the sorting an, an hat? Administer, I guess so. I guess she's the so basically. So you got Dumbledore, you got the sorting hat, and you got an array of zany wizard like Teachers, instructors, yeah, yeah. Uh, who are there to uh, whisk you through a magical adventure of learning a new career in digital media. That's right. Uh, if you want to change up what you do and uh, explore artistic opportunities on the internet, uh, you definitely should check out gurudigitalarts.com or visit their wonderful downtown digs uh, in the historic... Uh, Mercer Building. Mercer Building, yes. Just uh, across the street from the Neon Sign Museum. That is correct. So you can watch some delightful neon signs and then go and pursue a new career for yourself. It's very exciting. And our newest sponsor, to go along with our longest-running oldest sponsor... Is uh, Oodle Noodle. Oodle Noodle is a place that makes fast food stir fry, I think, among the best in the city. And uh, they've got a variety of locations in the Edmonton area. And if you can't go to them, they will come to you. It's amazing. That's right. They deliver, and uh, they deliver amazingly delicious food. So you should check out oodlenoodle.ca. Adam was, uh, I, I thought you were going to jump in with the dots here, oh, but instead I, no, you no. mouthed it at me. I, I, thought, I thought you were going to complete the in whole... In a somewhat sexual fashion. Uh, <laughs> I was hitting on you. There you go. Obviously. So uh, there you go. Oodle Noodle, Guru Digital Arts College, and Biff Naked. All people who we wanted to send a shout out to. Uh, absolutely. Now, uh, I'd like to introduce our guest, uh, who is um, a man about town, a fan of beards... Uh, by day, I believe that he is a gas fitter. Yeah, gas fitter. That's awesome. 
And uh, and I'm very pleased. We're both very pleased to have Bacon Hound Phil Wilson on the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. It's so great yeah. to have you. Yeah. Now, you are a man on a quest, as I understand it. I am. You are on a quest to find the perfect hamburger. The perfect hamburger, or at least the best burger in Edmonton. Fair enough. Ideally, the perfect hamburger. I I, I would like to believe the perfect hamburger can be found in Edmonton. I I would hope so. I, that's my hope. I mean, so now let's before we get to to the the Yegg Burger Odyssey, let's talk about food blogging because you've been doing it for quite a while now. How long have you been a food blogger? Uh, say about a couple of years or so. Is that all? Yeah. yeah. It, it seems like it's been longer. It does seem that way. Yeah. Absolutely. When you're that prolific, Adam, it seems like it's been a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> prolific? Are we still talking about my blog? Or are we? <laughs> no. We. Uh, I'll leave that up in the air. We meant. Okay. I meant sexually prolific. <laughs> well, that, I was going to suggest that, but. <laughs> Weird to suggest it yourself. So how does a guy who, by day, is a gas fitter uh, decide to start up a food blog? What got you excited about food? Uh, essentially, I've always been really excited about food. You know, it's uh, no matter what my day job has been, it's always something that I come home and I enjoy cooking and I enjoy eating out and, and watching cooking shows and talking about food. So it kind of naturally evolved to, you know, everybody's asking me, what, where should I go? Where should I go for dinner? You know, all these things that I think let's throw it all in a blog so I don't have to answer the same question over and over and over and over again. That's awesome. And my wife kind of pushed me into it saying, you know, you should really do it. You should really do it. Um, I think it would be really good and it would be fun and, you know, you're not going to make a lot of money at it, which that for sure has come true. <laughs> um, but it has been a lot of fun. Now, what what is it about you other than, you know, the knowing about food and being interested in food that made you the go-to guy for where to eat in Edmonton? Is it, is it just, are you, do you and your wife go to a lot of restaurants and that sort of thing? Or We, we definitely eat out a fair amount. Um, you know, maybe even a little less lately because I also like to cook at home. So mm-hmm. um, it just got to the point where, you know, we, among our group of friends anyway, we were ones that liked to go sample all the new restaurants. We we take an interest in it and it got to be, we just got to be the go-to people for advice on it, I guess. Cool. Yeah. That's very exciting. Now, uh, I, I have to ask, you know, are you now a sort of food critic? Do do restaurants or, or restaurateurs invite you to their place to, to try it out? Or are you still, are you still flying under the radar? Um, yeah, definitely. There's, there's a lot of that actually. Um, you know, we'll get emails quite regularly about it's not so much, you know, hey, come review our restaurant. It's more, especially openings and special events that they have, they will invite. And it's it's getting to the point where it's not just what I would say is legitimate mainstream food writers like Leanne Falder, The Journal, and, and people who have a real huge forum on print media. It's a lot more bloggers and even people prolific on Twitter are getting those kind of invites now, which is, I find it kind of interesting. Yeah, that's that's strange, like 140-character food reviews. I don't know. Well, it's something that, you know, you can throw a picture out there and a few tweets and people watch it. They don't have to click on your website to look at it. So, uh, you know, there's a certain segment of the population that kind of enjoy that kind of interaction, I guess. And cool. creating a little buzz on Twitter is definitely, with Edmonton being such a uh, interesting and vibrant Twitter community, it's, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad way to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, how often are you, you cooking at home? You say you really like it and you're doing it more and more. Mm-hmm. Do you, what, how many days a week do you think? Um, I'd probably say we would eat out maybe twice a week, sometimes three times. It really kind of depends right now, uh, you know, are we getting invites to going to certain events? Like this last week, uh, Saturday night was the only night of the whole week that we were home. So wow, we made a nice little dinner at home and kind of relaxed and, and that was about it for the week. So 
maybe next week might be every night we'll be home. But on average, I, I don't want to eat out six, seven nights a week. It's not terribly healthy stuff to be eating all the time either. So, True. And it uh, starts to add up, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And then, uh, you know, gas fitting is not exactly doctor or lawyer type of wages. So <laughs> it's a good job and I love my job, but it's not going to pay for me eating out seven nights a week for sure. Fair enough. You looked like you had a Oh, I was going to interject with the not healthy eating comment. Oh, yeah. Um, but I suppose it, it, it really depends on what kind of restaurants you're going to. But you are a man looking for a hamburger. So that would pretty much answer the healthier not question right there. Yeah, the YEG Burger Odyssey is not, uh, it's not exactly focusing me on healthy food for sure. <laughs> um, you know, we've had to enlist a few tricks to kind of not become morbidly obese throughout this whole thing. <laughs> You're looking good. You, and, you. and the last time I saw you, did you not tell me that you lost weight or that you didn't gain weight on a vacation or something? Yeah, like I came home first vacation ever, I think. I came home with zero pounds gained. Wow. It's quite well shocking. Done. That's amazing. And I gained two the week after I got home. Oh. <laughs> you needed to make up for... You were celebrating Absolutely. not gaining weight on vacation. Yeah. yeah. And two yeah. pounds. Fuck that. That's yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Who cares about two pounds? Exactly. Yeah. Now, okay, so tell me... Tell us about the sort of the genesis of the Yeg or the YEG Burger Odyssey. Like, Where did you come up with the idea and and how how are you running it? Essentially, the idea was kind of born out of uh, numerous conversations off of Twitter, you know, the same conversation over and over and over again. You know, people asking me, where's the best burger? Me asking them, where's the best burger? Where can we get a good one? And we all have a couple of good ones. Mm-hmm. And everyone says the same thing to me all the time. They say, well, there's a couple okay ones, but I haven't found that truly outstanding burger in Edmonton. So I decided that, you know, instead of all, let's all just talk about it. Let's let's do something about it. Let's go out and, and do a quantifiable process to try and find the best one. Now... When you say the best burger, are you referring to uh, checking like every burger on a restaurant's menu one at a time, or are you just sampling each restaurant's wares, as it were? What I'm doing, basically, I'm, I'm taking suggestions from people on where they think a really good burger is, and that my list is getting quite long so, with suggestions, so I'm trying to make my way through there. And when I go to a restaurant, what I'm trying to do is I will pick the burger that I would want to order. I can't, I don't want to compare apples to apples 100% because maybe the same burger that was the best burger at one place is not the best burger at another place. So that's true. So I'm trying, you know, it's almost impossible to compare apples to apples because not everybody has the exact same burger. So, um, you know, for me, if it's the one that appeals most to me on the menu, that's what I'm going to order. Now, uh, and this was brought up earlier because we don't know. Are you also going to compare it to fast food burgers around town? I'm trying to stay away from fast food a little bit. You know, I don't want to go review a Big Mac. I mean, we all know that's not the best burger in town. But I think that there's value to comparing it against the better burgers. Absolutely. Was, was my comment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely have a plan to get a couple of them. You know, I'm going to maybe not so much McDonald's and Wendy's, <laughs> but, um, you know, definitely Five Guys is on that list and Fat yeah. Burger. Places that, that have a... Uh, that are kind of fast food, but a higher quality. Yeah, I call exactly. them more like fast casual, you know, almost like a Red Robin kind of place where yeah, you can exactly. actually sit down and yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't have a problem. You know, Jack's Burger Shack in St. Albert is, is not fancy. It's a small, it's almost like a kind of a diner, old style diner atmosphere like in there. Like a greasy spoon sort yeah, of Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing fancy about the burger, but it was really quite good. Hmm. And you know, that's the problem with uh, trying to compare two burgers is, I'm going to go to Jack's and get a burger that's $7 and it's totally different than maybe one at, let's say, Deluxe that might be $20. 
Which bring which which raises the question, you know, what are what are the sort of factors that you're using to to assess the best burger, and and is price one of those things? Price isn't necessarily the main thing, but it definitely factors in at the end as to whether I would go back for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one the first episode of the Yeg Burger Odyssey featured uh, Blue Plate Diner, and when you total up the bacon and the cheese and everything I added to the burger, it was $22. So, you know, in hindsight, I I don't really want to go for a $22 burger, even though it was pretty decent. $22 burger is not really my kind of style. So, well, and even a really good burger, if it's just priced too high is, is not worth it. That, that does diminish the, uh, the overall experience of the burger. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Now, on your, on your website, your most recent, uh, at the time of this recording, your most recent post on the YEG Burger Odyssey is the Berg versus Derivera. So are you doing almost like NCAA-style brackets for, like, you're, you're pitting one burger against another, declaring a winner, and then, and then what? Um, essentially, yeah, I'm trying to pit one against another, trying to ideally get two burgers that are kind of similar so okay. they're a little easier to compare. You know, I don't want to compare a $6 burger at, you know, Five Guys or something to a $20 burger somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't really make any sense. Um, so I'm trying to stick to similar type burgers on every post. And essentially, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end, I want to pick a winner out of those two. Eventually, there'll be so many burgers reviewed that ideally I can kind of come up with a, a top 10 list and rank them. Yeah. You know, at this point, the ranking is going to change possibly weekly, hopefully weekly. So we'll have to see how that goes. But Now, I am curious, and I don't mean to put you on the spot necessarily, but... That's why he's here, Scott. If you were to say right this instant what your favorite burger that you've tried so far is, what would you say? Oh, hands down. That's not putting me on the spot. Uh, I actually said it in the last post. Uh, Daravara has the best burger so far that I've had. So and they're far. brand new. That, that's that's really interesting. These are the people who uh, who own um, the Empress Ale House on yes. White Avenue, and they've opened a restaurant on 124th Street. And I mean, a lot of uh, restaurant reviewers that I that I know say they wait a few months before they actually go in and and give a restaurant a proper review. But you're telling me that they've been open since I want to say January or February, maybe. Yeah, maybe a month or so. And already, yeah. out of the 14 burgers you've had, they have the best one. For me, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Can Can you tell us what makes it the best? I mean, having not read the whole it, article, obviously, yeah, food great. like anything else is is subjective, highly subjective. But based on on what you like in a burger, why does it stand out? Yeah, and that's just it. It is really, really subjective. But for me, um, you know, it's all about the meat. Really, hmm. uh, I don't. If the if it's really dominated by the bun, that's not working for me. I have a friend who uh, orders burgers regularly when he's ordering a gourmet burger. Without the bun, because he finds that uh, the bun is usually really big, oversized for the the rest of what's on the burger, and fills him up. And he'd rather fill up on on the filling in the burger, like mm. all the fixins and the meat. So he'll just eat it knife and fork style. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that take away from the burgerness of it all, though? Isn't isn't burger like that's a format, right? <laughs> it's it a- is. Yeah. I mean, you know, to me, the bun is. It shouldn't be the focus, but it does absolutely play a part. Um, I don't like those ones that have the huge, really dense bun, and that's all it is is it's like eating a loaf of bread yeah. with a little bit of meat and cheese on there. That doesn't that doesn't fly for me. Well, how do you feel about the ones though, where where the bun seems sufficiently large, and then you get in, you're about halfway done, 
and you realize you've got, you know, if you're halfway done the burger, you're 75% done the bun. You know, does, does, um, does burger cohesion play into the way you're rating the burgers that you're trying? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had a couple burgers where, you know, I, I kind of, my, my preferences for a bit of a sloppier burger kind of runs down your arm. Yeah. But I've had a few that have just completely obliterated the bun and you can't even pick it up anymore. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I, I like it when it's strippy, but it gets to the point where it's, it's kind of a mess and you, and you kind of think, well, piss off with this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. At the, um, end, at the end of the night, you don't want to, you know, yeah. you don't want to have to have a bath after well, dinner. Sometimes less is more, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if it's dripping all over the plate and you can't even pick it up anymore without getting completely just destroying your shirt, well, that's, that becomes an issue. Now, um, you know, you, you pitted the Berg against Derivera in your latest one, and, and you did actually mention um, that the Berg has been a lightning rod since they opened last year. Uh, I've always had really great burgers there, um, I, and I am, by the way, I, I'm not knowledgeable about burgers the way that you are, but one of the things that, that has irritated me about the Berg is that their service is absolutely objectively shitty. Does that factor into your decision, or are you really just focused on the food? I'm much, much more focused on the food. Um, I don't want to say somebody's burger's no good based on a poor job of waitressing, really. Fair enough. Um, but absolutely, I, you know, I usually mention it. We did have a funny experience at the Berg where we got kind of a... Um, you know, I asked a couple of questions because I'm that guy. I'm trying to pick up out the burger. I don't go in and say, hey, look, this is who I am and treat me special and give me all this stuff. And, you know, I, I go in there and I ask the questions. And if they happen to recognize me, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, sometimes you ask questions and the waitresses don't exactly love it. They don't want to answer it or they don't know the answer. So it was quite entertaining to my wife and I because we, <laughs> you know, she didn't get fully turned around before she gave us a gigantic eye roll and kind of, oh God, what's with this guy? So I, we thought it was hilarious. I'm sure some other people would be not so happy about it. But The uh, weird thing is that I would, I would presume that part of a waiter's job uh, or a waitress's job, part of a wait staff's job, is to be knowledgeable about the food and be able to answer questions like that. No matter how inane they might seem, someone might leg- might have a legitimate concern about something that's in the food or or just be interested in it. And the food is what your restaurant is about. You should be excited to talk about it and to talk it up. That's my opinion, but what do I know? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that's a case in... in I, it should be the case everywhere, but I mean... One of the things that I've noticed about eating out in Edmonton over the last five years is that the quality of services declined significantly. And I think that that has to do with the fact that our economy is is quite is doing quite well. I don't think people are relying quite so much on service industry jobs as maybe they used to. And so um, even more than usual, service staff are transient because they're finding if they don't like what's happening at this place, they're going to tell the guy to go fuck himself and go work somewhere else. Total aside, but um, I learned uh, fairly recently, actually, that uh, wait staff, like uh, a job as a waiter in uh, many places in Europe is like a professional full-time job. People train to be wait staff and work at fancy restaurants for a career and mm-hmm. hope to work their way up to where they are like maybe the head of the wait staff at a restaurant and that's viable. And it's weird that that's really not the case here. It's an entirely different restaurant culture in North America and wait staff is l- practically 
to use the term a McJob. Like it's one step up from flipping burgers at a fast food restaurant is serving tables at milestones or mm-hmm. what have you. And that's it's just an odd disconnect between restaurant culture in like Britain and restaurant culture in Canada. Mm-hmm. I just thought, think that's odd. Mm-hmm. And it might be a little different with the higher end restaurants in Edmonton. You know, when you think about it, if you're working at a diner and your, your typical tab is coming out to 50 bucks, you know, and you're getting 10 to 15, 20% tip on that, that's substantially different than when every table you look after is, you know, looking at $250 with drinks and everything. That's that's a pretty substantial tip on that, right? So they probably make pretty good money at somewhere like La Ronde or wherever that's a little more high end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typical diner, unless it's an owner-operated kind of establishment, yeah, I, I would agree. I think Adam hit the nail on the head there when he said that it's a very transient staff issues here and with the economy. There's just not the level of service that there used to be. And not just that, but I think that the whole way that, uh, that uh, you know, serving staff are compensated is, is you know, maybe a little bit antiquated. Uh, it, we've just done it for so long and tipping has always been such a part of it. I wonder what would happen if, if you know, waiters and, and, and waitresses servers, I guess they're called, were compensated like full hourly wages, like, you know, 20, 25 bucks an hour. Yeah, you wonder. I always wonder what would happen if they just worked exclusively on tips. Because right now what I find is you go to a restaurant and the service is average. It's okay. Everybody just tips the same amount all the time. It's it's just like a robot. You just give over the money. Here you go. Yeah. Um, there's not really a whole lot of incentive because if you do an okay job, you do a really good job, you do a bad job, you're probably getting 15 or maybe 10. Um, I would say probably on average between 10 and 15%. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've heard from a couple of people that, that are servers that you know, 10% is kind of the average. I always, if I ever give 10%, I kind of feel bad about it. But. Yeah, I usually go for 12 for average service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of triple the GST is what I do. So it makes it 15 that's, all the time. That's it makes my wife's the math rule easy them, because yeah. I'm not that sharp. So. Yeah, I do that at a minimum as well. Yeah. Um, now I have uh, not actually stiffed someone on the tip before, but uh, my lovely wife, Anita, has... Uh, because they got such terrible service one night. And I'm not going to name the restaurant. And it was years ago. So the person who was serving them certainly is not there anymore. Um, but they had such bad, just abysmal service that night that they didn't not tip the waitress. They tipped her one cent. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's even worse, I think. Because yeah. you're really getting your point across there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like they purposefully left one penny extra. And it was just like, that's the level of extra you gave us. That's level of extra we give you. Yeah. Do you think that tipping is, um, is something you must do? Because there are a lot of people who are just like, nope, this is part of this person's wage, and therefore you sh- you absolutely have to tip your server. Or is it as as I would think it is extra? Like you are paying for getting good service. Yeah, I think the whole point of the tip is to reward somebody for doing a good job. So if they've done a horrible job, I think they get nothing. You know, it's really difficult. I think we're all non-confrontational for the most part, people, and we don't want to do that and cause Canadians a scene. are a polite people. Yeah. We yeah, are a we polite say, Well, okay, she wasn't very good, or he wasn't very good, and uh, okay, mm-hmm. didn't, it took forever to took our, bring our bill, or didn't miss something. But and maybe so-and-so was having... But maybe so-and-so was having a bad day or maybe yeah, they're busy absolutely. right now. And that's you, know, you find excuses for why they might have given you crappy service when the fact is they still kind of treated you like crap. <laughs> yeah. 
and maybe don't deserve a 10% tip for yeah. or a tip at all. We have a tendency to sort of rationalize the behaviors of some of those servers and say, well, you know, maybe they were having a shitty day. Maybe they broke up with their partner or something like that. But, I mean, if, you're, if you are investing any amount of effort into your job, you have a shitty day, you're a professional – you don't really push that well, onto yeah. the end consumer. And and if I have a crappy day, I'm still expected to go on the radio and deliver the news and not sound like I'm not wanting to be there and not telling off the listeners. So why should the waitress who's serving me my burger be treated, uh, be held to a different standard than me? It's a fair question. And I'm not getting paid extra for delivering the news excellently, might yeah. I add. So... <laughs> yeah, this is an age-old argument here. Well, why do we tip in the first place? But one that we've never spoken about on the show, which is why it was an interesting segue to get into. <laughs> well, and I guess, like, um, you know, in other countries, United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, everywhere else, there are different standards for tipping. Some countries, you don't tip at all. Yeah, and, exactly. and those are, uh, again, to go back in the conversation a little, mm -hmm. those are uh, in countries where uh, being a waiter is like a professional full-time job, and they are compensated very well by the restaurant. So it's not expected that you will tip them mm. because it's expected that they're just going to give you excellent service anyway. That's what they're being paid to do. And if they don't give you excellent service, they're not working there anymore. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The way it Like the rest be. of us, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> if I give terrible service at my job, uh, I don't just not get a tip. I don't get a job. So... I better do my job correctly and to their liking. Yeah. On the other hand, and I'm not trying to raise the ire of any waiter or waitress who listens to this Although, show. Although, less lame names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I understand that for most waiters and waitresses in, in Canada, certainly in Edmonton, tipping is, is an assumed part of their paycheck. They don't get paid, in many cases, a livable wage because it's assumed that they're going to get an extra hundred bucks at the end of a night based off of just their tips. So yeah. I'm not saying you should not tip, dear listener. I'm just saying it's it's an interesting thing to consider if somebody gives you terrible service, have they earned it? Mm -hmm. Well, and it's a little bit of more of a sticky situation too when you think it's not only the waitress that's getting the tip when you leave it. Quite often that tip is shared between the bus boys and the cooks and everybody. True. You know, yeah. maybe they all Pooled did their job tips. perfectly fine and the waitress had a bad attitude. So then what do you do? Yeah, that, that one's, that's a tough one, actually. Because my, my position has always been, I just my tip is always just based on the quality of the service. If the food wasn't good, I take it up with the server, they hopefully talk to the chef, and that gets corrected, and that factors into the decision for me for the amount of money that I'm going to tip them. But I will counter that the waiter or waitress who is serving you is the face of that restaurant. They are, the, they are your point of contact with everyone else in that building. And if they misrepresent everyone and you tip poorly, that's on them. That's not on you. They did a crappy job still. It's still on the waiter and waitress. But they're your customer service representative. Yep. They're your, they are the PR manager of the restaurant to that table. And if they are not doing their job well, everyone else suffers for mm -hmm. it. Because you, if you don't come back... They're not getting your patronage again. If you if they're pooling tips and you don't tip, everyone suffers. So that's kind of on them. That's not on you. Yeah, I suppose. And if someone doesn't understand that point, um, a quick look at Yelp or Urban Spoon reviews will verify that in a heartbeat. That's true. You know, a lot of them, you'll see one star. Oh, waitress was a dumbass or something like that. <laughs> you know, okay, that's really constructive. But How the, was food the food was very good. <laughs> yes. 
They don't say anything about the food, but they've rated this place as one star. But, and because the f- the food didn't make as uh, big an impact on them as the service did, and that affected their entire experience. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying, waitresses and waiters are the most important element of a restaurant in some cases. That's absolutely true. So take true. your job seriously. And uh, for that matter, managers, if you're listening, maybe consider that next time you're looking at raises for your wait staff. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to uh, pay them a little extra. Give them a little extra motivation. There you go. Mm-hmm. And I don't really tend to, you know, I'm not one of those guys who leaves nothing. I, I mean, I have maybe once or twice. But I, I tend to be, you know, I'll leave a little less if the service wasn't good. But if the service was really noticeably excellent, I leave considerably more than 15. Well, and uh, to go back to uh, my wife, she did leave that one cent tip with a, with a party of like 10 people once, by the way, which makes it even kind of worse. Uh, but in uh, opposition to that, she has also left a substantial tip for outstanding service mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Like it like a both tw- ways. like a like a one hundred percent tip, like insane. You know, if um, if I've ever had an experience at a restaurant where the the food wasn't great, the service was excellent, and they corrected stuff, qu- quite often restaurants like Earl's will do this. They'll just they'll nullify what you owe them for everything. If one of your dishes was bad, not really sure how I feel about that. But in that case, I will always either whatever is more. I will pay the full value of the meal or give a ridiculous tip. Exactly. If the yeah. service is really good. So, I mean, I mean, this is a topic we could go on and on about for sure. But I, I do want to come back to the the burger odyssey. Yeah, we got sidetracked by tipping there. Yeah, there <laughs> that's okay. We're, we're right back around. Here we, we took are. a jaunty stroll down the side road of tipping, and we're back on the Burger Boulevard. <laughs> now, you started this uh, right at the beginning of January. Was this something that you'd thought a lot about sort of you know, in, in 2013, that this was going to be the thing that you would figure out for 2014? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's something that I'd been tossing around for a little while. I actually, the original idea was, uh, I was going to get a group of people together and go around and find Edmonton's best poutine. Ooh. And that became very obvious that we'd all be dead within two weeks. So, <laughs> so we kind of scrapped that one. Gravy. Yeah, after Jeez. two poutines, now that's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so burgers a little more sustainable, you know, what became obvious to me in asking people, and, and I get emails, multiple, multiple emails every week, you know, this is where you should go try. This is the one. I just tried this one. People will uh, send me messages now saying, you know, I was, uh, I was at some place you reviewed last week, and yeah, I totally agree. I, exactly the way you said it is exactly what I got. Wow. And sometimes they go, you know what, I, I disagree with you, and that's fine too. I post those comments on my site too. So, um, you know, it, like I say, the burgers are very, very subjective anyway, and what is my best burger is not everybody's fair enough yeah. yeah and my wife is prime example of that you know she doesn't like that slopping down your arm kind of burger she likes it neat and tidy she doesn't want to get messy yeah um that's why we really like the darvara one because it it's really perfect in the middle there it was juicy and kind of drippy enough for me and it and it was still good enough for her that she didn't uh, find it obnoxiously messy mm-hmm. now mm. you said you were working through a list of of restaurants uh, do you think that given the amount that people have suggested to you and that you want to try, is it achievable to to arrive at a conclusion by the end of 2014? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I will be so sick of burgers way before <laughs> that that uh, I'll have to pull a cord on that thing. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We're, we're trying to do you know, one review a week, which is 
two burger places, which so far has been, it's been sustainable. You know, I'm not getting completely tired of burgers yet. Um, you know, my wife's getting there and she's been a humongous help, by the way, in this thing. There's no way I could get through this thing without her. She does all my editing, all that kind of stuff. Oh, you know, I, awesome. I give her a rough copy that looks like, you know, John Travolta wrote it uh, as part of a speech at the Oscars. <laughs> Ooh. And I go, okay, fix this, make this not stupid. That was great. And she does. Great reference and top To last week's, or yeah, two weeks ago's podcast. That's yeah. terrific. Well yeah. done. Well, that's cool. So um, do you know already where you're going next with, with this number eight? Uh, blog post. Have you already been or do you know where you're going? I've already been to the two restaurants that is coming up in the next couple of days. You okay. know, it's a matter of getting time to write it up at this point. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, it, it'll be definitely, this one will be worth reading because there was one pretty atrociously bad one. Oh no. Which makes my job really, really easy. <laughs> I love when you have the two that you're putting, pitting against each other and one of them is quite good and the other one's horrendous. Mm-hmm. It really makes it easy for me. I don't have to pick between two that I really liked. Um, so I appreciate when somebody really completely drops the ball and it's just horrendous. Thanks, Edmonton. Thank you. Thanks for making a shitty burger. <laughs> Would you, and that there lies another good question. Would you give a burger a second chance? Absolutely. On that the actually, off chance that maybe, you know, that night the chef wasn't on the ball, he burnt the meat, uh, something was off in one of the toppings, and they're like, look, you didn't like our burger before. We'd like you to come back, give it another try. Would you give them another chance? Yeah, that's going to happen for sure because I've already got a couple posts that, you know, I had one post in particular. Um, you know, it was a new restaurant in Oliver called Chicago, and I put them up against Bannock Burger on 124th Street, which incidentally I was really, really excited to try. That's easily the most disappointing one that I've been to because I was so excited to try it. Um, the concept of it was awesome for me and I was really kind of hoping that okay this is going to be good and I'm going to be going here twice a week kind of thing so definitely that being so disappointing and then seeing on their Facebook feed how many things they've changed since not saying it has anything to do with the review but the review got a ton of response really so oh absolutely yeah and quite a few people after I went you know went just out of curiosity because it was just it was so bad for me I really disliked everything about it, and they just had to try it for themselves. And then they would send me emails, say, "Yeah, absolutely, this is, this is really weird." <laughs> but they've changed almost everything since. So that might be one that I have to go. You know, they're making their own patties now instead of frozen boxed grocery store patties. I'm using real cheese instead of the junk they were using before. So you know, in that case, absolutely, you gotta you gotta find some time to go back. And you know, I'm not looking to kind of destroy somebody's restaurant here or somebody's business. And I think that's kind of. For me, it's an issue with certain uh, people who write about food is that they they forget that when you write bad things about people, people are reading this um, and you're affecting somebody's livelihood here. So, you know, it's not something that I take lightly. I don't like writing the bad reviews necessarily. Mm-hmm. But if it's bad, you know, your credibility's got to be got to be there too, right? If it's bad, it's bad. I mean, what can I do? But you just don't take it personally and you write what you got. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at that article right now, 28 comments, mm-hmm. and a lot of people saying, <clears throat> you know, I did I did try it, and it was actually the worst burger I've ever had. And you do have a list here of, of some of the stuff that they needed to improve upon. So it's good to know that restaurants are responding to those criticisms, because to just sit there and do nothing would be the, the worst example of customer service. As a slight aside, um, my friend Rick... Uh, refers to those people uh, who were commenting how they had gone to try out the crappy burger as the Ed Wood crowd. The people who hear something <laughs> is terrible and are like, 
there's no way it's that terrible. <laughs> and they have to go and experience it for themselves. They're yeah. compelled to just find out for themselves how bad something is and will subject themselves to terrible movies in the case of, of where the term comes from or terrible food just to say I was there. Yeah. Well, I watched Sharknado, so I there mean, you come go. on. <laughs> you are part of the Ed Wood crowd. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so um, one last question before we get to my favorite part of the show. Indeed. And that is, how have the restauranteurs, the, the people who own these places, responded to what you're doing, if at all? Surprising. You know, I, I thought anytime you say anything bad about a chef's food, you know, there's always that risk that they're going to take it really personally and kind of come after you about it. I haven't had any of that, really. Really? You know, there's been a couple comments that, you know, and people can go and read the posts in the comments and go, oh, that sounds like it's probably an owner of that place. And I'm sure, you know, nobody, nobody's come out and said, look, I own this place or I'm the chef here and uh, I think your review was bullshit. So let's hmm. talk about it. I haven't had any of that yet. Maybe they have, I can't imagine that they haven't seen it because there's been so much buzz about it. Um, everywhere I go right now, I meet somebody and they go, oh, the burger thing. Absolutely. I've been really following that a lot. So that's awesome to hear. That's terrific. But yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not unhappy. I mean, who wants to defend yourself 24-7 about it? But I think um, the way I'm going about it, I'm being honest about it. I'm not being a jerk about it. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying exactly what I got and I'm following it up with pictures and this is exactly why I didn't like it and... If I'm doing my job correctly here, there shouldn't be any room to argue it. Yeah, no, it's very true. Right yeah. on. Well, we wish you luck in your odyssey of finding, I don't want to say the perfect burger, but I want to say the best burger in Edmonton. My favorite burger in Edmonton, anyway. His perfect Which burger. Which brings me to, what's your guys' favorite burger? Oh. Okay, oh. I got it. Easy. This is easy for me. Right now, my favorite burger in the city is the Next Act's PB&J Burger. It's deadly because it's got PB and J in it and bacon and all that stuff. And it's a, it's also a very messy burger. It is. But it is so, so delicious. I really do. I very much enjoy all of the Next Act's burgers, but that one in particular. Uh, I'm also going to the Next Act. Uh, it's one of their cameo burgers they haven't had in a while. But uh, every time I have had it, and they've had it back twice... Uh, it's been delicious. The Nacho Libre Burger. Mm, I had that one. Yeah, I like that one too. It's uh, it's just the right amount of blend between burger and plate of nachos, <laughs> and it's delicious. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that someone's finally achieved that balance. Indeed, <laughs> and I mean, clearly, scientists have been working for years. Obviously, so that's well. what they're working on in the space station right now. <laughs> A nacho burger, the perfect nacho, the perfect burger. nacho burger. The yeah. tragedy is, I don't often order gourmet burgers uh, from places. But uh, so so I'm I'm like I can't pick a fast food burger that would be awful. Yeah. Although yeah. I do like Red Robin's burgers, I and I can that's a cut above. I haven't been there in a long time, but they do yeah. they are like positioned as the burger place. Quick question for burger toppings: Does an egg belong on a burger? Yes or no? In a restaurant, yes. Uh, in the street, if you're getting it from a food truck, no. Why do you say that? Because as soon as you bite it, it just sprays all over you. Oh, of you it's hard to eat standing up. You know, if I'm hunched over a table and I can, you know, kind of control where that yolk is going to go, then no problem. I, it, it tastes fantastic. 
I've actually Agreed. never, I've never had an egg on a burger. You need to get an egg on your burger next time you go somewhere that offers it. Okay, I will do you that. You will be delighted. Now, before we get to our next segment, you you brought something for us to try, and I, I would like to sample it if, if you if you wouldn't mind passing that and the and the cups down. Phil, what did you bring for Scott and I to have a taste of here? Well, I'm kind of known for my homemade Baileys. Uh, I've provided a few samples for people over the years, and uh, that tends to be what I give out at Christmas nowadays because, um, well, a I'm cheap and and B, I'm pretty lazy, so I can just make a big batch of that. Hopefully, you guys like it. I've never had any complaints yet. I call it Bailey's, even though it's not really Bailey's. So what, what goes into it? How do you make it? Um, you know, to be honest, that's my one recipe that I don't give up. But there is lots of recipes a, for Bailey's It is online. a family, an ancient family tradition. Yeah, well, it's at least three years old I've been making it. There that's you go. That's awesome. It goes back three whole years. Well, let's give this a try. This is exciting. I, I now have Phil's cream all over my hands. <laughs> That's tasty. Mm. Oh my, that is good. <laughs> that is good. That is tasty. That's even better than Bailey's, my friend. Well done. Oh, hands down. Any homemade Bailey's better than the, the store-bought stuff for me. That, that well, shit. any homemade anything, generally. Truly, has yeah. that, It has a little extra something I like to call love. <laughs> and possibly salmonella. I didn't put any of that on, in there. Depending <laughs> on how... Sanitary your you kitchen know, is. I don't know, Scott. Like, I really feel like Phil actually packed quite a bit of hate into this. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you really wanted to even be. No, here. there was no love. There was a little bit of respect. <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> I, you know, a little bit of self-loathing. Loathing. Oh wow. But other than that, no. I'm definitely feeling it. That's really good, boy. Yeah. I'm gonna try and make sure that I get on your Christmas list next year. <laughs> and that leads us to your favorite part of the show. You mean the Fast Fifteen? Now, Phil, are you a regular listener of the Unknown Studio? I am. <laughs> okay, I, so I was I was nodding at Phil to make sure that he said yes, but you actually are. Absolutely. You might be one of the only ones. Well, you I actually, would biff naked, apparently. Yeah. I actually ran into uh, Mayor Don Iveson yesterday at uh, a coffee shop, Cafe Leva, and that's the first thing. I've never met him before, and I just went straight up to him, and I kind of said, I'm going to be on the Unknown Studio tomorrow. How do I get through this kind of thing? Oh, no way. <laughs> so we talked about that for a little while. And uh, yeah, I, I forgot to get some good advice, but cool. I'm, I'm uh, cautiously optimistic that you won't stump me on any of these. Well, I, we're not going to try to, but we do. I mean, it's fast. We call it the Fast 15, so you're supposed to do it fast. That almost never happens. It's true. So It's happened once. Don't feel bad. In the history of the show. But but just so so for the the, the people who are listening to the show for the first time, Here's how the Fast 15 works. We will ask Phil 13 questions that are the same questions we ask of all of our other guests, except that at the end, the last two questions are wildcard questions tailored to Phil and his interests. So we're going to do this right now. The Fast 15 with the Bacon Hound. Number one, your favorite food. Um, that's kind of a obvious one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. Yeah, it's bacon. Okay. Uh, your favorite color. Orange. Uh, Mac, PC, or Linux? PC. Dogs or cats? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did I just say PC? You did. What am I, high? (laughs) Oh, I'm a Mac guy. Phil is is not high. He's taking back his original answer. But he did drink the rest of the Baileys. (laughs) That's the trick here. You gave me a big shot of Baileys, and then I said PC. All right. So he, he prefers Macs. What about dogs or cats? Really tough one. I've had both. I've always had dogs, so... I would default to dog, but right now all we have is a cat, and he's awesome. So, dogs and cats. 
maybe. It's reasonable. Three of each. More, more leaning slightly more dog. Sure. Very slightly to dogs, yeah. How about coffee or tea? Coffee, hands down, with Bailey's. <laughs> Your favorite holiday? Favorite holiday? Wow, is there one? <laughs> I should, I should trip favorite? you up and just pick my favorite holiday that I went on. <laughs> Actually, a lot, we've had a few people do that. They don't think, some guests think they, that we mean like Christmas or Easter, and some are like Hawaii. So, and yeah. we've never told them they're wrong. No, so fill your boots. Well, my favorite holiday is always the most recent one I had, which was Austin, Texas, a couple of weeks ago. Right there on. You go. Great. Mm-hmm. The one where you didn't gain any weight. That's didn't awesome. gain any weight, but I, my liver grew a couple sizes. <laughs> <laughs> what about your favorite sport? To watch, uh, it's hard to say the Oilers watching them right now, but it's hockey, I guess. Yeah. Um, to play badminton. Right on. What about your favorite pastime? Oh, pastime. Um, I like to relax when we're not out doing something and watch a lot of TV, I like, especially Netflix. You know, if you can get a whole season and just sit down for a weekend with uh, something unhealthy to eat the way and, television and a nice couch. was meant to be watched. Yeah, Netflix is doing yeah. it, and so are you. What about your favorite music right now? Uh, it's been the same for a little while, actually. Local band called Collective West. I don't believe I've heard of them. But no, I will check I. them out. They are awesome. If you ever get a chance to see them in live, especially, they're really good. Cool. What about your favorite movie right now? Right now, that's also a long-time one, Die Hard, every time it comes on, which is about eight times a weekend. Yeah? Yeah, I I can't flip away from it. My wife's kind of getting driven crazy by it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. with driving away crazy. I've seen Die Hard on TV a lot lately. And it's my favorite Christmas movie, incidentally. Too. Well, it was it was on at Christmas, because I remember watching it at Christmas. But since then, I've seen it turn up on the television a lot. Hmm. It's like Shawshank Redemption. It's on some channel every week. Yeah. That it's might weird. be one of my top three favorite movies, though, Shawshank. Yeah, Redemption. and that's what I used to always say. But oh. everyone says it, so no. But now everybody says Die Hard, so you need to get off that train. Yeah, exactly. We'll find something new for you. What about your favorite video game? Um, hmm, Let's say Frogger. That's how long it's been since I've played video games. There you go. (laughs) If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, man, you can only have one? Um, Only one. Oh, boy, that's tough. I like the idea of uh, invisibility. I want to know what you guys are up to when I'm not around, basically, no, yeah. No, you don't. And I get everybody's pin number. creep on people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's just... not for nefarious reasons other than getting your pin number. Not sexy <laughs> stuff or anything like that. Wait, the pin number thing is it's nefarious. Kind of nefarious. <laughs> it's totally nefarious. Depends how you look at it. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. To protect everyone's bank accounts. Uh, what about Star Wars or Star Trek, if you had to pick one of them? Uh, I'm more of a Star Trek guy, for sure. Phil is a friend of the Unknown Studio. (laughs) And now we're into our wild card questions. And we we sort of talked about this a little bit uh, at the beginning. I don't think we landed anywhere. But if you had to pick your favorite fast casual or fast food restaurant in Edmonton, what would you say that that is? Oh, fast casual. You know, the market for kind of cheaper, quick restaurants in Edmonton is, is a little bit lacking in my opinion. But I think my favorite... Uh, it would have to be Land's Asian Grill on 118th Ave over by Nate. Okay. It's a little uh, family-run Asian place. They make everything homemade that they make there. Every, everything is fantastic. It's really nice people running it, which, you know, for me uh, is a really, really big factor in it. Sure. You know, I got to like the product that they're selling, but I want to like the people that are there too. That's a good answer. I'll have to try that one out. Right on. And finally, what is the single most useful food preparation utensil in your arsenal at home? Uh, probably a good knife. 
Uh, I always kind of laugh at people that spend $200 on a knife historically because I'm pretty cheap. <laughs> um, I've got a lot of Scottish heritage and I'm going to blame it on that. But um, but yeah, I would say the, the sharp knife. You know, there's a, there's a shop that opened up from Calgary mm-hmm. on White Ave called Knifeware and they sell Japanese knives and they cost a pretty penny, but the two that we've got are worth every nickel. Right Fantastic. On. Well, it's good to know. That was the Fast 15 with Bacon Hound. It has been a distinct pleasure having you on the show, Phil. Yeah, Thank it's been you. Wonderful. Great conversation. And booze. And booze. Gotta have liquor. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And now I'm hungry for a hamburger. So where can people find you online? Uh, the website is easy, baconhound.com. Twitter at baconhound. Right on. And somebody got in there before me on Instagram, so I had to go real baconhound, and I'm gonna track that guy down and we'll solve that. <laughs> awesome. Well, I shouldn't have probably said that publicly, but yeah, he's going to get it. Well, good luck in your <laughs> in your burger odyssey. We're looking forward to seeing where you land uh, for what, where the best burger is or what the best burger is. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Anytime. Let's go have some burgers. Let's do that. You're buying. All right. Scott, you're buying. I'll supply the tip. All right. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 97. Our guest, Phil Wilson, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Does this ground beef look sufficiently cooked to you? Is it supposed to be that green? You shit. That was the spinach.